Previously on the Tony Kornheiser Show. But there's some columns of, uh, that's not a good look. He's a hard guy for me to cheer. So he does not have the mass love that, or mass respect in, in the minds of many that Nadal and Federer have. I think for that reason. So happy to hear you. So nice. Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you. I hope to see you out there tonight, Tony. For Nadal. You're not going to see me out there tonight. Anything that ends in tonight, you're not going to see me. The Tony Kornheiser Show is on now. Nadal, by the way, played Columbia over the weekend, I was told. Oh, he did? Uh, I was told he birdied 18 and finished either 72 or 73. I don't... I don't know if he played from wide or from further back. So apparently he's a scratch. And have you seen oh. his swing? Uh, Greg Lecker was describing his swing that he he closes the total face of the club to begin with and grips his hands very weirdly, then looks up, opens the face of the club, changes the grip on his hands, takes it back like a hockey player, like not over his head. Yeah, he looks it. like he's playing clay. Yeah, and he hits it with the force of his backhand. And he's supposed to be really good. And that was, you know, there were all these pictures of him enjoying himself in Washington, D.C. He went out in the second round, so he had lots of time. He had a really good time, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. and and then went to play Columbia with Mark Ein, who's membered Columbia, who runs a tennis tournament, and uh, apparently did really well. Did a lot better than I did. Uh, Yeah. So um, Michael is here. Nigel is here. <clears throat> Excuse me for coughing. The dog is going crazy. Yeah, Sean, can we check Chessie's levels? I couldn't quite hear in yeah. my, my right ear. Well, it was miraculous. Right when we were about to start, the barking stopped yeah. just seconds before. So so this is interesting. Last night, there was apparently a baseball game on ABC, not ESPN. It's usually on ESPN, I guess, but it was on ABC. And I got a text from Michael. It says, Al's on TV. I said, really? Al's on TV. So... I tuned to the television, and Al's being interviewed. Is it, I don't know. I don't know how to pronounce Matt's last name, Vasarian or something, whatever it is. And Alex Rodriguez, and Al is going into stories about the earthquake and other things, and when he was working at ABC, and who his partners were, and they were showing photos of all his partners. And so now I'm totally ecstatic that this is happening. That Al's on TV. And they go to a commercial break. They say they're going to keep Al on for just a little while longer. And they go to commercial break. And I do what, of course, I do. I immediately call Al's house. (laughs) And Al gets on the phone. And Al says, I can't talk now. I'm on the air. I said, you're not on the air. They're in commercials. I can't talk now. I'll call you after. So, all right. So then he tells me later that the truck heard them and was cracking up. You know, and I told him it's my great joy to, while people are on television, to text them or call them immediately. I do it with Sands all the time, like right on the spot. So Al tells this story about Costas, Costas and Cosell. And he says it's the first time Cosell has ever met Costas. And Costas is a kid and he's working, I guess, for ABC at the time or whatever, whatever it was. And... And he says, Mr. Cosell, I'm Bob Costas, and, and, and. And Al says that Cosell looks at him and says, oh, yeah. You're the kid that rhapsodizes about the infield fly rule. I'm sure you'll have a great career. That's the end of it. So it's a great line. So I immediately text Costas. And I say, Uncle Big Al just told Cosell meeting you for the first time and saying, you're the young man who rhapsodizes about the infield fly rule. I'm sure you'll have a fine career. Ha, wonderful. A million people will text you about it, including me, Tony. Oh, on ABC Baseball. So I tell Al I do this, and Al says he's in the air. 
I go, what? And he says, yeah, he's, he was in Cincinnati, did some program with Joe Morgan, and now he's in the air. Sure enough, last night when he lands, I get this back from Costas. Al loves that story, which has the added benefit of being true. <laughs> Great as that. So um, that was thanks to you because you, what were you doing rolling around the dial and finding it? Out? So we're rolling around the dial, and I guess this was the first time baseball was on ABC proper in yeah. 30 plus years since Al was doing it. Yeah. So they had him on, and we, we stopped. And, you know, I guess, it, I guess it tells you more about where the Nats are this season that I'm happy to watch a White Sox Cubs game. Yeah. And this is all because of too. Wilbon, because I wanted to see can I see Cubs fans sort of in when they're singing, standing up to sing? Can I see them changing hats? And going to be White Sox. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so. Al said to me that his favorite group uh, was Palmer and McCarver. I mean, he liked everybody he broadcasted with. <clears throat> and I said to him, and excuse me, my throat is dry, so I'm going to be drinking water a lot. I said to him, did you do Monday Night Football, Monday Night Baseball, with Norm Hitchkiss and Mike Lupica? And he says, no way. No way they were ever on. I said, no, they were on. They were on in the 80s. For one year or two years. Right. And he said, well, I didn't do it. He said, but I know Norm Hitchkiss. He's still working in, in the Dallas-Fort Worth area on, on radio or something like that. So I don't know who was the play-by-play guy when Lupica and Hitchkiss did it. But Al, they, they showed pictures of all of Al's partners in so many sports. I mean, Al's been... When Al's done... You know, it's not just that he's on the short list of the greatest of all time. You can make the case he's the greatest of all time because of all the different things he did. You know, and I love Al. So anyway, let it, me get... It comes, it comes back to the earthquake story. He's, he's telling a great story about when A-Rod first comes up and there's tile coming down off the roof. Uh, and he's in the best is he's still a pro where he's trying it's two outs and he's still giving you play by he does play okay. by play he says uh, short, short fly to left field short fly to left field <laughs> no, he, just, <laughs> he does play by play he's watching the game um michael mentioned the nats before i don't think the nats are going to win 10 games for the rest of the season cuz i don't think they have a single pitcher who can win 3 of them i'm not really dumb so you had to be impressed with Josiah gray on saturday night right i've been impressed with him twice but he's not ready to win 10 games you know, he's not yet, not, not, yet. not individually, no. but right, he can so get you a couple. All right, so I have one other story, and then we'll, we'll bring in Wilbon. I'm holding up a bag, a Brooks Brothers bag. This is not a Brooks Brothers outfit. This is something else I bought, just a bag. And now I'm holding up boxes of ties. Oh. Three different boxes of ties. This is on my porch when I arrive in Delaware on Thursday. There's three boxes of ties, not in a Brooks Brothers bag, but in a plastic bag, like a CVS bag, something like that. It's on my porch. I'm not crazy about that, that it's on my porch. Right. There's a note. And the note says, Mr. Tony. It says, Mr. Tony makes me think it's a podcast listener. Right, Mr. Tony. Just a gift from me and Newhouse. Please give one to Wilbon also. Hope you're well, Kate Waters, for your inspection. See if I read that right. Kate Waters. Just, yep. Me and Newhouse. So I, I'm outside now, and across the street are Brian Barry, who's a builder, and Sheila, who just moved in with her husband, John, to one of Brian's houses right across the street from me. They live side by side. And I bring this over, and I go, did you see anybody drop this off? And they go, no. I said, you... You know who Kate Waters is? You know what Newhouse is? Is Newhouse a clothing store? 
I mean, I assume it's a clothing store. I haven't opened up, have not opened up the boxes yet. Assume it's a clothing store. It's or it's a person. Could this be Kate Walters? Kate Walters, yes. Who is? Do you know who that is? No, I'm just saying. The- okay, so Sheila then starts looking up Kate Waters, putting in Kate Waters Rehoboth. I'm not really getting anything. Kate Waters Delaware, not really getting anything. Then I open up the boxes, and then the mystery is solved. The mystery is solved because on the back of the ties, what does that say? Oh, Newhouse. Newhouse ties. It's not Newhouse ties. It's the Newhouse School of Broadcasting at Syracuse because all of the ties are orange, (laughs) which is how I involve Costas in the lead because Costas is a graduate of the Newhouse School of Broadcasting. All of the ties are orange, which means I can keep... Whoops, did I just... uh, I just knocked out my headset. I'll take care of that. Which means I can keep one of the ties... And Saliza, who hates Syracuse. <laughs> I was going to say, he's got to have one, right? Saliza has to have one of the ties. Oh, they're all kinds of different ones, yeah. No, they're just orange ties. Yeah. Because Syracuse, everything in Syracuse is orange. They dye their I could see on. him wearing that striped one. Yeah, the striped one has Saliza written all over it, yes. Two are I the same. Yeah. I'm going to have one of them. I'm going to take one of them. And then one for Saliza and one for whoever else wants it. So I don't know who Kate Waters is, but if Kate Waters, or Walters, if she listens to this show, you know, thank you. Get off my porch, but (laughs) thank you. Michael, what do you think of that? What do you think of that somebody just dropping off a bunch of ties? The ties are beautiful. Now, what's more troubling to me is that... She seems to know your travel schedule because I don't think <laughs> I don't think those ties had been sitting out on the porch for days, right? Don't know, have no idea, have absolutely no idea. They were there when I got there. I was half expecting the note to say, "Please accept these ties." Sorry, I used all that water from you years ago. Yeah. So those are the ties. That's my story. Kate, a- Kate Walters, Newhouse some- School at Syracuse University, is the assistant to the Office of External Relations which includes advancement, donor relations, and alumni Kate engagement. Walters, Kate not Walters. Walters, yes. Okay. So it's W-A-L-T-E-R-S. Yes. So she works at Syracuse? Yeah. So she must have... So we're thinking she has a house at Rehoboth or Lewis or... Oh, you're about to get hit up for a donation. <laughs> but I didn't go to Syracuse. <laughs> I mean, I went to Binghamton. I didn't go to Syracuse. I wouldn't have gone to Syracuse. Wasn't as good a school as Binghamton. is as good a school as Binghamton. It's not as good a school. But, it's, but isn't that... Isn't that nice? That is very in nice. In its own weird way. And I will yes. wear I'll wear one. Two of them are exactly the same. And one of them is just orange. And it appears to be the orange one seems to have the Declaration of Independence written on it, actually. Yes. And I'm, I'm going to bail on that. I'm not going to wear that one. No, but the nice striped one, orange. yeah. Yeah. Don't you think Saliza would be happy to I think is it? Well, he's just grown that chin strap beard, so I think this will fit perfectly with that. So anyway. You mean Buddy Saliza? <laughs> he hates Buddy Bayhart, man. He hates <laughs> I don't know why he hates Buddy Bayheim. I, you know, I've always liked Bayheim. All right, what else is new? Um, I got the sweater story, but I'm doing it. I lost a match yesterday. It was my fault, too. I had 16. We were, uh, we were even. I had 115. But by the way, this is amazing. You, Nigel, will not appreciate this at all. Okay. Michael will go crazy when he hears this. <laughs> I'm playing with three guys who are better than I am, significantly better than I am. They were playing off my ball. I'm listed as a 13, playing the goals. I'm listed as a 13. I'm giving shots. 
I'm giving four shots. I'm giving shots on six, nine, 11, and 12. This is insane. I am getting no shots. I made 20. I'm getting no shots. I'm giving shots. So, so I, I'm unnerved. I'm unnerved when I look at the card. This cannot be true. How did I get to be a 13? And if you say to me, because you're playing the forward tees, I would say, they are age appropriate for me. They are exactly what I am supposed to play. And the fact that my distance has gone down so much is the equalizer in this. I should not be penalized for playing that. So we get to 16 and we're even. I had 115. I'd parred 15 and won it. We get to 16 and that's a par three. And I hit it to 12 feet on the fringe. Pin is low down for people who know Columbia. The pin is in a low position. Um, I hit it to the fringe. I four putt. Oh, no. I four putt. I jack it past the pin by eight feet. I then go past by six feet and miss again. I lose that hole. And we lose the match. We lose by one. We lose the match. And it's my fault. It is. It's no question about it. Now, after you being the first putt by the hole, didn't you just look at your playing partners and go, that was good. (laughs) <laughs> there's I'm no good this one up no there's no good <laughs> i was gonna say there's no good um the other people have to tell you it's good you can't say it for yourself it's good right you can't say that <laughs> did you try your trick where you hit it between your legs backwards no i mean well i did on the fourth putt because it was over <laughs> and i'm on the green i'm on the green and Full i four putt. putt well i'm on the fringe but still they a flat putt it's really awful all right we'll take a break uh michael wilbon will join us when we return i am tony kornheiser this is the Tony Kornheiser Show. The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is the SeatGeek ad. And by the way, in terms of SeatGeek, if you are, you know, if you want to go to a game where it turns out that Al Michaels may be broadcasting it and you don't know that and you want to go, you would go to SeatGeek and you would order a ticket and then you would be able to see Matt Vaskersian. Is that Vaskersian? I think that's Vaskersian. Yes. Vaskersian. Yeah. So they normally do the games on ESPN. That's right. And so ABC was. So that's what it was for, right? It was yeah. it was the honor of of the fact that they had started Monday night, uh, Sunday night baseball, or was it Monday night baseball? Monday night. It was Monday baseball. night baseball Monday back Monday in the day. Baseball. Yes. Do you ever feel like ticketing websites make getting to the event uh, difficult on purpose? They're so big they get away without caring about the customer experience. Michael, Nigel, you have the SeatGeek app. Absolutely. Do you want to? Do you want to just? Well, I would say it looks like a lot of White Sox fans utilized the SeatGeek app last night. Going to, to Wrigley. Trip. Yeah. Going to Wrigley. They were loud. Yeah. Yeah, and I know the, the Grateful Dead, well, the Dead and Company, as they're called now, are coming to town. I think in a week or so, I'm getting tickets for that. Should I get one for you as well? In a word, no. <laughs> I don't like the Grateful Dead. I, I don't care about. I know it. you don't. SeatGeek makes buying tickets super simple. A quick look at the App Store shows over fifty thousand five star reviews. SeatGeek pulls together millions of tickets from all over the web, then it rates each deal on a scale of one to ten. And finally, SeatGeek displays them on an interactive seat map. SeatGeek breaks down the details. Green dots mean good deals. Red dots are overpriced. Every ticket on SeatGeek is backed by their buyer guarantee, so you can shop with tickets, for tickets with confidence. And don't worry, kids. We've got the hookup. You use the code TONY for $20 off tickets at SeatGeek. $20, that's significant. Or if you first purchase with the promo code TONY, visit www.seatgeek, S-E-A-T-G-E-E-K, seatgeek.com, or download the SeatGeek app today. Use the code TONY for $20 off your first SeatGeek order. Again, at www.seatgeek.com. Com. Use the code, people. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. This is a woman named Shannon McNally. She's a friend of Bill Isaacson's. Great doesn't even describe her. <laughs> this is a song called Black Rose. 
Rodney Crowell has described Shannon's singing, Bill writes, as something of a cross between Joan Jett and Lauren Bacall. The music magazine Uncut describes Shannon's vocals on one haunting song as, quote, like the headlights on the hearse, a line you might have enjoyed in your music critic days. I'm going to talk a little bit about her later. This is called Black Rose. She's just stop listening to us and go to the end. <laughs> just go to the end to listen to her. She is that good, and she plays in Michael Wilbon, and whatever else we're going to talk about, we need to talk about this first. Did you by any chance watch in your favorite stadium in the world, Wrigley Field, did you watch last night the influx of White Sox fans as the White, yeah. White Sox beat the Cubs? What were, yeah. what were your thoughts? Were you ready to put on a, a Sox hat at some point during this game? No. No. Tony, this happens depending on who's better at the time. So in 2005, when the White Sox won the World Series, they played this. Right. This rivalry, this crosstown rivalry, as they call it. Um, you know, it happened then. It did. It, it may not have happened to this degree. Because the Cubs were also pretty good most years in the odds. Like the Cubs yes. were the best right team in the league in 07. So I don't remember specifically 05. But it, it, listen, I, I didn't see the game. I saw highlights. And when they hit the home runs and they were White Sox fans yeah. who would overrun Wrigley, I was like, oh, my God, this is crazy. I, I expected to some degree... And that's why I was offered tickets. First of all, I'm in Los Angeles now, but um, I, 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 do I expect that kind of overrun, like 50-50? Yeah. Really, no, close to it. Seriously, the White Sox don't fill their own park, ever. Like, I wonder how many days they sold out, how many games they've sold out this year. I'm going to say none. That's a guess. I'm going to say zero games sold out. Right. And so for them, for them to, to, to go have these, at Wrigley like that. I mean, this is this is a White Sox fan's dream. Not just that's, that's not what I would think. His team or her team having the biggest lead in baseball by any, any division, but also the Cubs being crippled. Those, well, that, this that, is that, see, that combination. So I grew up in New York, and and sure, I started out rooting for the New York Giants, but they left in 1957 with the Dodgers. So I settled in, and I was a Mets fan. The Mets didn't play the Yankees in those days except in exhibition games. There was no interleague until the maybe the 90s. I'm not exactly sure, but it's, it was a long time. But to me, if I'm a Mets fan, to go to Yankee Stadium, you got to do it in the other guy's park. You go to Yankee Stadium, you beat the Yankees, you're better than the Yankees. That's the greatest day of a baseball fan's life. I've got to think, Mike, I agree with you, that for the White Sox fans to do it in Wrigley, oh, yeah. to do it by home runs, yeah. they've got to be yeah. ecstatic, right? Ecstatic. Tony, Tony, home runs, dominant pitching, which we have for the series, a three-game sweep of the Cubs. Oh, okay. Sweep. And so, see, look, look, White Sox fans usually have nothing else to rally around except beating the Cubs. Cub fans would actually look at you like the White Sox. Do I know them? Do I know the White Sox? They have a team here. Where's their ballpark? Seriously, where is it? I've never been there. And so Cub fans don't, they, to, to them, the White Sox don't exist. The White Sox live for this. Live for it. And so this is what is going to happen. I mean, the White Sox are good. The White Sox, look, could the White Sox win it all? Yes. The they could everything to win this year. Yes, they do. They do. 
And how great yeah. would that be for Tony LaRussa, who, who got nothing but criticism yeah. when he was appointed? How great yeah. would Reinsdorf and LaRussa, am I right, Mike? Reinsdorf and LaRussa yeah, would look great. Look, yes, it's the ultimate vindication. The ultimate vindication to sort of dominate the conversation. But, but Tony, they, the funny thing is, they don't dominate the conversation. No. So, as you know, the last two weeks, it's been the Cubs, Cubs. getting rid of the guy. It's been yeah. Cubs. And, and listen, Tony, don't think for a second that the Bears and their whole situation with Justin Fields, who are going to have a quarterback this year, how good are the Bears are going to be? That's the number two discussion. And for right now, it's going to become the number one discussion. And then, Tony, what the Bulls did this past week, that bubbled up to become a greater discussion. I mean, I even I talked to producers at sports, and I said, where are the White Sox highlights? Where, where is this? They got, they got the biggest lead in baseball. No one talks about it. I mean, I think today, one of the things we ought to talk about is, are the White Sox, like, how good are they? How good is this team? Are they the best team in baseball? Because they could be the best team in baseball. Well, they're in an they're in an unknown division. They're in an unknown division, but that doesn't mean well. They got starters and they got hitters, and that doesn't mean they're not the. I think Dodgers are the best team in baseball. But if you told me the White Sox were, I I wouldn't argue with. I'm not arguing with that. Have a swarm of great players. They do. You you didn't mention you didn't mention bullpen, Tony. Remember, the White Sox just picked up maybe the best. Elite best closer in the National League. Kimbrough. They got Kimbrough to go across the street. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Nothing. Nothing. So it's interesting. I mean, now I, I, I particularly put this out on the table for you with the Cubs and the White Sox because you're from Chicago. But I don't know how you feel about this. The Olympics are over, and for me it was like they never even happened. I never, I never got into it. Did you? No. I watched. I, I, I think I watched yeah, 50% I watched. of the time. I yeah. watched at night when track and field was on more than any other thing. But no, it just, you know, it's a half world away. We're, in a, we're still in a particularly bizarre time in the world. Yes, yes. And I, I just couldn't, I couldn't, it was never a priority for me. I won't say it didn't exist. It was never a priority. There were other, other sports priorities for me. And I just named a couple of them. And you had weird things like the draft, and it was at the end of the NBA. It began at the end of the NBA finals. It's just, you know, it wasn't the Olympics as I'm accustomed to experiencing the first couple of my post-coverage life. And so I felt I'm, just, I'm, kind of, I'm kind of glad it's over. I moved to the decade. I got absorbed in the news of Simone Biles. It's just. I'm like, okay, I'm glad it's done now. It's done. Let's, let's move on to other stuff that seems to be more important and preoccupying most of us. I'm going to use a very specific word, and I don't mean it to be as bad as it sounds, but it was, for me, a joyless Olympics because there was nobody in the stands and because the yeah. Simone Biles story dominated the Olympics, and that is not a story of joy. That's a story yeah. of concern. Yeah. That's a story, you know, that, that's hard to deal with. And because Katie Ledecky wasn't dominant, because Caleb Dreschel, whatever his name is, was dominant, and I don't even really know who he is, and because the basketball, of course the United States won both men's and women's. And I, I, to me, Mike... I watched, but I watched without joy. I sort of watched like, oh, it's my job to watch. I never, I never loved it. You know what I mean? Did did you ever love it? Yeah, 
No, I didn't watch with any great fascination. None. Yeah. No great fascination. I just, I watch because that's what I do. I watch the Olympics. I watch sports. Yeah. Specifically, and no, I didn't have anything that, that lit me up. It didn't have anything that I couldn't wait to see. Like Usain Bolt for like the last four Olympics. Yeah. Um, it, didn't have, it didn't have that for me. Uh, again, part of this is the world. You know, I'm not, I'm not a person who sits around. I watch more football than anyone. I'm not sitting around waiting for football. I'm not. It just, the Olympics did not grab me in a way. It grabbed me and shake me like every Olympics has at some point. This, I, I might be I able to say this was the first one. I agree. It had it had a mechanical feel to it. It was like we're going to roll out this race and then we're going to roll out the next race. And I didn't like it. I, I, I didn't either. And so now I'm like, okay, you know, I I've got a project I'm working on. Um, I'm glad that you know I, I'm absorbed in that, and I will finish that. Uh, not even totally finished, but I'll get through the bulk, the heavy lifting of that. As football starts, and you know, I don't mean training camp and preseason games. I don't no games, damn about, games, but no. actual games. I have, of course, to, every I have network to tell you, that televises football will try to convince me that these things I'm going to see with Dak Prescott going three for eight and leaving the field, that they'll try to convince you. No, these are the not. NFL, and it's not. It's these are not real games, and the same thing. Now, I was watching Sports Center earlier in the morning, and they did ten minutes of highlights from summer league in the NBA. I don't want to see it. I don't care about it. I don't care. About I don't that care about it at all. I don't care about exhibition games in football at all. When it when you know when you drop the flag, let's go right. When you drop the flag, I'm with you on that. And so the things that people are showing me, I don't care about. So I think what I'll do in my sports life. Now, my daily sports, I will, I will start to follow very closely the White Sox. Um, I will okay. follow them. I will, I will look at that division and figure out if a team that comes from that inferior division. Will you put on a hat? Will you put on no. a Sox hat? I don't, I'm not. Will you? You sure? No, I, I mean, if Kenny that. Williams, I, I, Kenny I Williams is that. your boy. Kenny Williams is Kenny, your boy. If he yeah. sent you a Sox hat and said, Mike, I'd like you no. to wear the hat. No, and he no? won't do that because you know, he understands what it's like here, what it's like with, you know, Chicago baseball. Kenny, Kenny has seen Don, Jordan, Matthew, and myself. He has seen us walk in full Cubs regalia down the street in Arizona. Because, we, you know, Kenny, Kenny, you know, has a Scottsdale presence, obviously. We both live our like so many Chicagoans, which you'd like to dispute. Um, so many of us congregate there. I don't and dispute Kenny's, Chicagoans dispute in congregate in Arizona. I don't dispute that. Midwestern people go to Arizona more than yeah, Florida. East this, Coast people go is, to Florida more than Arizona. Is, yes, yeah, I understand yeah, this that. Is what happens. I get that. And so Kenny, Look, Kenny has seen all of us, our whole family, you know, leaving games, spring training games. So he's he's seen this. He laughs, and I, I will have to just bear it from him and Doc Rivers. Those are the people that I'm close oh, is, to. Is, who are, is Doc a Sox fan too? Yes, He's a Sox fan. Yes, Doc is. Oh, I didn't. Doc I didn't know that. Thoroughly, thoroughly invested in the White Sox. Now, what we're all invested in is the Bears, and so we'll get to. Right. You know, our, as a matter of fact, we're already obsessing over it. I mean, the, the text messages back and forth about Justin Fields or what's going to happen, and the White and the, the Bears don't seem to have any offensive tackles right now, which is problematic. For any football team, can't they get Jimbo Fisher back? Jumbo Fisher, whatever his name was, that tackle for a hundred years. No, Jimbo no, 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 Fisher. No, no, no. Oh, 
No, not Fisher. Um, Jimbo uh, who? Covert. Whatever. Covert. 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 Okay. Covert. Oh, that's who, 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 who got in the Hall of Fame this weekend. They should have been in the Hall of Fame already. I mean, the Bears had three offensive linemen on that team that should have been in the Hall of Fame already. And more famous people, of course, got in. Walter Payton and Richard Dent and Dan Hampton, and I'm probably leaving out. Mike Singletary, the most Wilbur famous Marshall? people of that group. No, Wilbur did not get in. Wilbur did he not. didn't get in. Wilbur left oh. fairly early. He went to the, Remember, he went to the Washington football team. He went to Washington, yeah. He did go to Washington. So he I, I get, he look, I'm going to get you out of here on this. This is football, but, but you know, this bothers me. Kirk Cousins bothers me. I don't think he's telling the truth, Mike. I don't think he's telling the truth. I don't know. I don't know if I know the latest. I read about Kirk Cousins. Well, he said, here's what he says: "Is I'm willing to do anything there is to play for this football team." But no, you're not. You're not no, willing you're not. to be vaccinated. That's not the truth. Yeah. It's just not the truth. It. it, 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 it I, it looks like he's shading like, the truth to me. I don't yes, like it. He wants people to rally around him, not understanding that half the country and maybe half his team will not. Because now, like everything else in America and the world, this is a political issue. This is, this, is, this is now the most divisive issue in America. And so Cousins seems to me to be somebody who just wants to be giddy all the time and doesn't really get the seriousness of a lot of stuff. And by the way, it doesn't make him alone, but we are, we are set up for this passion play uh, now. I mean, for the, for, for the whole country, and not just football, but football is a, football's a place where, if you, if you look at the southern states, where, where is football the most important in America? No, it's not at Notre Dame. It's not at Indiana. It isn't. It, 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 it's very important in a lot of places, if not everywhere. But in the southeastern part of the United States, where this drama is rooted and is the most divisive in playing out, people look at that section of the country and decide whatever they want to decide and feel however they want to feel about people, that is, that is the headquarters of football in America. And it is, going, it is problematic now, and it's going to be more problematic going forward. All right, I'll talk to you later. All right, All right Tom. Thank you. Michael Wilbon, boys and girls, we will take a break. We'll come back and talking about football, we will have Paul Feinbaum. Great thrill to have Paul Feinbaum on the show. When we return, I'm Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is the Vincero ad. Vincero is the premier maker of men's and women's accessories. These guys sell everything from watches to sunglasses, bracelets, and wallets, all available for under $200. I didn't know this, Michael. Oh, yeah. I didn't know they sold bracelets and wallets. Vincero knows just how important it is to look and feel your best, and they're here to help you feel good whenever you go. That's why they create watches and sunglasses that are stylish, classy, and affordable. Everything they make in-house is built to last, doesn't break the bank. They believe you deserve to look good no matter what your budget is. They make it so you don't have to choose between function, looks, or price. They're the best of the three worlds. Head over to the Vincero Collective, vincerocollective.com slash Tony to check out the favorite products. Take advantage of the special 25% off anniversary discount. Wow. Vincero is loved by some of your favorite entrepreneurs, athletes, and podcast hosts. 
Uh, they snuck that in, didn't they? <laughs> Seriously. I, you know, I've got their stuff. I've got their stuff. It's very, very nice. Yeah. Right now, Vincero is running a site-wide sale to celebrate their seventh anniversary. This will not only be the biggest sale of the year, it will also be the biggest sale in Vincero history. It's up to 25% site-wide. No code required. No code. Your discount will automatically be applied at checkout when you visit VinceroWatches.com slash Tony. Well, that is a code. VinceroWatches.com. That's a redirect. Everything on site is on sale. No exclusions, including all four of their all-new collections are available. Um, Vincero has over 30,000 five-star reviews that from verified customers you can read for yourself on their site. Elegantly crafted and fairly priced, Vincero has a bold collection guaranteed to elevate your look. Go to VinceroCollective.com slash Tony. Vincero spelled V-I-N-C-E-R-O. Vincero. Go to VinceroCollective.com forward slash Tony. Do you have to say forward slash? Just slash is fine. Slash Slash. is fine, right? Head over to their website right now. Get yourself a timepiece. Go to the link for up to 25% off plus free shipping. It's a buy you won't regret. You're listening to the Tony Kornheiser Show. Once again, Shannon McNally. This song blew me away. (laughs) This is called I Ain't Living Long Like This. In fact, when we talked last night, I mentioned that she was going to be the music for the show. You said, hang up with me right now and listen to that song, this song, you know. In I'm its living long like this. Yeah. Um, this, look, <laughs> this girl's great. Now, what Isaacson writes, here's the part you didn't see coming. Shannon was born and raised in Hempstead on Long Island. I had no idea. She doesn't sound it. She does not recall Lower Towers, but she says Eisenhower Park was big for her, along with Point Lookout. Point Lookout was right down the street from me when I was in Long Beach. The Montauk Lighthouse and the Fantasy Theater in Rockville Center, where I first saw in the 70s, Kiss. The really? Fantasy Theater in Rockville Center. So, Shannon and I have that in common, except that I'm 50 years older than she is. <laughs> she's great. I mean, she's truly great. Legit. Stop listening to us. Actually, don't. Because Paul Feinbaum joins us now. And Feinbaum is one of the very few people that ESPN has... ESPN's hired a million people. And they've tried to change... 999,000 of them. And they didn't try to change Feinbaum. They said, look, we understand what you do. We're not going to let you be happy because we're going to move you out of Alabama. (laughs) You're going to have to live somewhere else. But we're going to let you do what you do. And that is a godsend for people who watch ESPN. Let me start with this. Um, Bobby Bowden, your, your thoughts on Bobby Bowden, who I'm sure... You covered and you knew forever and ever and ever. I did, Tony. And, you know, at this point, people like us, when we use the word you know, old school, it, it almost sounds like, you know, prehistoric times. But he really was the, that, that last coach of another era. And, you know, if he, if he wasn't a good coach, he still would have been a, a great person to know. But he was one of the best coaches of all time. And, and, and even at that point... Tony, I, I'm not sure he probably has ever gotten the recognition he deserved. He won two national championships, but he absolutely threw away about five or six or seven other ones. Uh, three straight years, if you remember, you know, he lost to Miami wide right. Wide right. I mean, wide every, right. every one of those teams would have won. Um, you know, one of his best teams didn't win. Uh, and you know, he, I, I'd say he probably should have had six or seven national championships and been close to that realm where – we, we currently look at Brian and, and, and Saban, but he still was just such a, I, 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 the last time you talked to him, he was, he was, he was the same. 
he's the kind of guy, Tony, and you remember this. You called him up at home. You didn't go through, uh, you know, the, the Russian uh, poet bureau to, to get a hold of a coach, which you, which you have to now. And, and the, the one thing that I think about, uh, and I'll never get this out of my mind as long as I live, he was in, in at the end of the 87 season, uh, going into uh, 1988, he was, he was doing well at Florida State, but he hadn't really taken off yet. He'd beaten some big schools. And Alabama had an opening. He, he's from Alabama. He's from Birmingham. He spent a semester at Alabama before he, he, he got homesick. And they interviewed him for the job, and, and everyone thought he had the job. Now, can you imagine Bobby Bowden at Alabama? He would have been replacing Ray Perkins. Bear with me one second. I covered this story. I'm on the phone. I called Bowden in Tallahassee. So I think I got the job, buddy. Uh, two hours later, about midnight, I got, I got a hold of a board of trustee member, and I said, uh, what's the deal? He said, uh, we're, we're, we're going in a different direction. I said, well, what was wrong with Bowden? He said, well, this is, remember, this is January 1st, 1988, Tony. He said, I feel like he's maybe a little bit too old and has too much baggage. 14 straight years from that moment, Bowden finished in the top four in the country. He won two national championships, lost in the championship game or the de facto championship game four other times. And Alabama went through a uh, – oh, by the way, Alabama hired Bill Curry instead of Bobby Bowden. So I remember – and we, you and I, are old enough to remember this. It doesn't feel like this now because every game at major schools is always on television. Florida State was an outpost. They weren't in conference. They were like renegades. They Bobby Bowden built that program and built it quickly. He had one losing season at Florida State, his first. That's all, just one. I mean, you remember this because college football is your life. You remember when Florida State, they were nothing. And by the end of it, or by the middle of it, he was bigger than Miami and bigger than Florida. And Spurrier called him Free Shoes University. (laughs) And, And, I mean, this was, you know, uh, what Bobby Bowden did there it's hard. It's, you know, this would be if the University of Central Florida actually won national championships and didn't just give their players rings and big major conferences wanted them, right? I mean, Bowden did that by himself, right? He did, and uh, it was a teacher's college, uh, and uh, he was the last hope. And he, he took on everyone. One of the biggest wins in 1980, uh, he went to Lincoln, Nebraska and beat, and beat the Cornhuskers. That's when Nebraska was a relevant program, Tony, not yeah. whatever they're doing out there now, other than complaining. And, and he, he, he would play anyone, anytime, and he beat most of them. And finally, in, in, uh, in the late 80s, he had a chance to get in the, the SEC. The SEC wanted them. He said, no, well, we're not going to the SEC. I mean, he knew better at that point. He told me a couple of years ago, he said, why would I want to go into that when I can go into the ACC? And I, I, whatever the record is, I mean, he won like 11 or 12 or 13 straight championships. He didn't lose an ACC game for forever. And, and he, but, but, yeah, he, he would drive Spurrier crazy because Spurrier would have to yep. take on LSU and Georgia and Auburn and Alabama. And uh, by the end of the season, when they played Florida State, they were worn out. And Bowden, uh, I mean, Spurrier would say, you know, he had a two-game season. Uh, he played Clemson and us. And, uh, and, and, and Bowden, by the way, had a, you know, he owned Spurrier. Uh, nobody, nobody can make that statement at, at Florida. But his record was fantastic against Steve Spurrier. So he, he could recruit. And um, when you see the success that Miami and Florida and Florida State have, you realize that Florida 
just has the best high school football in the world, and that's why you can recruit there. But he also, and to his undying credit, I had written down the first question I was going to ask you is Bobby Bowden saint or sinner, because the answer is both. Um, Bobby Bowden once explained to me situational ethics, why he suspended one guy and put his arm around the other guy, and they both did the same thing. You know, they both shoplifted <laughs> at the same time. And well, one guy was more important to his football team than the other guy. Oh, yeah. So he was going to make an example of the other guy. You know, I mean, you saw that, right? You saw the way he operated. He, he had different rules for every single player. He absolutely did. And, and that's just the way of the world back then. I've, I've had, coaches will tell – I asked Nick Saban this once. After his first year at Alabama, he suspended a couple of players. I said, how come he didn't spend this guy? I mean, he was like, I mean, it was, it was, I mean, he's the worst of the worst. He said, listen, if I had suspended every player on the team, I wouldn't have had a team, and that would have hurt me <laughs> in recruiting for the next five years. So, hey, you look the other way. And Bowden didn't Bowden, – the one thing about Bowden, he, he, he was honest. Uh, I mean, you could yes. go to his house and talk to him. He would tell you the truth. I mean, he wouldn't flat out say, yeah, you know, we bought these players, but – you you know the players that went through that place in the 80s and 90s, uh, Tony. I mean, come on. <laughs> uh, yeah, ask Deion Sanders. He'll be happy to tell you, I'm sure, as long as you call him coach. Yeah, you got to call him coach. Can't call him <laughs> Deion. Yeah, that's so weird. No, and Bowden is a giant. They took away some victories at some point. He still had officially 377. I mean, he was – and he was, as Paul says um, – very accessible. Uh, and accessible, do you remember, like, Joe Paterno was accessible as well. You, you know, Joe Paterno would talk to anybody, anytime. Um, but Joe Paterno was a little bit, a little bit pious. Bobby Bowden, right? Bobby Bowden was not pious. <laughs> Bobby Bowden, he, he would just, he wanted to, he was entertaining more than Joe. Or am I wrong on that? No, you're right, and, and I, I, I once asked uh, his son what kept him going uh, at the end uh, because he, you know, he was he was past his prime, but he w- he did not want Joe Paterno to get more wins than he did. I mean, that was yeah. that was yeah. a classic grumpy old man remake, and uh, I mean, these two guys were battling literally from from the assisted living center to see who would be <laughs> the winningest coach of all time. Yeah. No, you're no, you're right about that. Um, I should ask this. I've been saying this for about a month or so since the Oklahoma Texas thing broke. I've been saying the Big Twelve is dead. The NCAA is dead. Within a very short amount of time, we're going to have one conference with 40 teams geographically separated. That's going to negotiate its own deal with every network in the world and everybody in that conference, the only conference that exists, is going to be very rich. Am I right or wrong about this? You're right. I've already said Cottage for the Big Big 12, so I just need a few more people to join me for a minion. Yeah. Um, it's, it's over. Uh, I don't care what they say. Uh, there's no, there, I mean, I've looked at this, Tony, for three weeks now. There's no solution. I mean, they can marry anyone they want. Uh, they can form these alliances, but it doesn't, it doesn't you, you don't replace Texas and Oklahoma. I, no. I, I mean, that's yeah, you know, in the parlance of the NFL, I mean that's like replacing the Dallas Cowboys uh, and the Green Bay Packers. I mean these Can't are these are brands that that are incalculable, uh, incalculably important. And you just don't go. Uh, you, you, there's only one other name out there that could possibly be had, and that's Notre Dame. And they're not Notre going Dame. to be had by anyone. No, they're not going to the Big Twelve. <laughs> no, 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 no. And they've got but, their own but, TV but, deal. Yeah. They don't have to go anywhere. 
So. No, I mean, the ACC would like them, but they're not getting them. So, But that's the only other chip on the board that's still not committed. Every, everyone else is locked down. So, I mean, the, the, the NCAA, it may exist for other sports, but it no longer, it's on the wrong side of the battle. It battled against players getting any money. They, no one will listen to them anymore unless I'm no. crazy. You're not crazy. Well, you are crazy, but um, well. but in this case, the only thing the NCAA has right now is is a television contract with, for right. the basketball, and and that's it. Uh, and at some point, the, the power the Power Five commissioners these are the, the guys that you hear about. They're like the five families of New York, uh, yeah. Tony. And at some point, they're going to rub out the NCAA president, and they're going to say, "You're done. You're, you, you go away. Here, here's here's your here's your check." And we are taking over every aspect of college athletics. Yeah, and they're going to sit there, and one of them is going to say, but if anything should happen to my son, Michael, when he's away, then I will not be a friendly man. I will not. Okay. Uh, before I let you get out of here, do you have a sitcom story to tell me? Do you have a sitcom yeah. story? Yes, I do. Tell uh, me the story. Three years, okay. three years ago, you probably don't remember, it was one of the you know, most exciting days of my life. Uh, I was able to be at your restaurant uh, and, and do the show live. Or whatever it was. Um, yeah. A couple, but a month later, I get a call. It's a long, convoluted story. I'll, I'll speed it up. A guy, a, 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 a producer in Hollywood, heard this, heard the podcast. He called another guy, and two years later, this thing goes into motion, and it, it's developed as a sitcom. It is sold to ABC. The uh, the uh, it was it's a takeoff of just like with, with your show many years ago uh, went to Hollywood. This, it was going to be uh, yeah. the guy who was going to play me as a younger person was Jason Biggs, the star of the American uh, Pie series on the, the movie. Oh, and, wow! And, and and then COVID happened and everything's up in the air and, and we, we, everyone knows every, everyone knows what happened uh, after that. Hollywood's in a, in a state of uh, upheaval, but it, it, it was all because of that one morning. The guy heard the I'm, I'm the Tony Kornheiser show and decided I like this guy. I'd never heard of him before. I checked him out, and now uh, and now let's develop a, a show around him. So yes, Tony, that's uh, tremendous. It, 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 whether it ever happens or not is up in the air. But if I'm standing up there in Hollywood one day and accepting an Emmy, I will pay homage to you. That's right. That's great. I hope I'm around at that point. Um, just I tell me you, you got too. some part of the advance. Tell me they gave you some money. Well, you know Hollywood. I mean, it's, it's all it's all. All based on later, not now. It's great. It's just great. Paul, thank you so very, very much. And continue to do what you do because it's it's I'm so happy that that you're a colleague in that regard, that you're at ESPN and they let you do it. Paul Feinbaum, boys and girls, thank you. We will take a thank break. You, um we'll come back, we'll do email and jingle. Uh and I'm Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to the Tony Kornheiser Show. Do you ever read the fine print that appears when you start browsing in incognito mode? It says that your activity, Nigel, might still be visible to your employer, <laughs> dad, your school, or your internet service provider. How can they even call it incognito to really stop people from seeing these sites you visit? You need to you need to visit ExpressVPN. Think about all the times you've used Wi-Fi at a coffee shop, hotel, or even at your parents' house. Without ExpressVPN, every site... Every site you visit could be logged by the admin of that network. Not true here because my parents' Wi-Fi doesn't work. Yeah, and that's still true even when you're in incognito mode. <laughs> 
I mean, do you really want your parents to see what you've been looking at? Mostly it's recipes for eggplant. <laughs> What's more, Tony hates eggplant. What's hate more, eggplant. your home internet provider, your Comcast, AT&T, whatever, can also see and record your browsing data. And in the U.S., they're legally allowed to sell that data to advertisers. ExpressVPN is an app that encrypts all of your network data and reroutes it through a network of secure servers so that your private online activity stays just that, private. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Nigel's routed through it right now. Oh, yeah. Okay. Secure line. That's it. ExpressVPN works on all your devices and is super easy to use. More questions than answers right now, Nigel. More questions. The app literally has one button. I see the button. It is. It's right. connected. So you hit it, and it, it dis- disconnects, and then boom, you hit it, and it connects again. It's brilliant. You tap it to connect, and your browsing activity is secure from prying eyes. So stop letting strangers invade your online privacy. Protect yourself at you expressvpn.com slash Tony. Use Tony's link at expressvpn.com slash Tony to get three months free. That's expressvpn.com slash Tony to learn more. Good job, Michael. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. It just feels like we've been underwater. Yeah, you're, it feels des- like you're, water. you're descending levels into the shark tank at the Baltimore Aquarium. It <laughs> feels like water. It's getting darker and it's darker. It's Jeremy Vint. It's beautiful. It's just lovely. It's isn't relaxing. It? It's beautiful. Do you want to do the Bethesda bagels ad? We, we got bagel sandwiches today. Yes, a very, very exciting day for us. Bagels. You get one. Beth- oh, fantastic. Bethesda yeah. bagels. We yeah. love them. You will as well. Just go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location in the D.C. area nearest you. Then pop on in. You'll be thrilled. Uh, we're going to do a show tomorrow, by the way, and then one later in the week. Uh, I guess that'll do it for us today. Before we get to the mailbag, let me just say, if you're traveling to the North Country Fair, where the winds hit heavy on the borderline, remember me to one who lives there. For once, she was a true love of mine. I assume that's Bob Dylan. Yes. From a long, long time ago. Thank you to our guests, Michael Wilbon and Paul Feinbaum. Thanks to today's sponsors, SeatGeek, Vincero, and ExpressVPN. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Odyssey. If you get the show through Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review. From Chad Supp, S-U-P-P, Urbana, Illinois. I've been a faithful listener going way back to your ESPN radio days. Over the course of a couple of decades now, I've been fortunate enough to have a few emails make the cut for the mailbag segment. It's a rare occurrence, but if I'm honest, it's rare that I feel compelled to email my own thoughts about the topics discussed on the show. Until now. For all those Jeremiah's out there crying about their given name matching the opening lyrics to a terrible song by an even more terrible band, I'd like to describe a different scenario. Imagine, if you will, that your surname is Sup. 
pronounced just like how those same four letters sound when they appear in any other word. Support, supplement, and of course, supper. Now imagine the year is 2000, and the most popular commercial on television is a spot for Bud Light <laughs> that only airs about a thousand times throughout every sporting event and features a bunch of dopes doing nothing but repeating the nonsensical word, What's up? What's up? <laughs> oh, it gets worse. Now imagine that in the year 2000, and in fact to this very day, you're employed as a sales professional who travels and spends well over 100 nights every year in hotels. And for each and every check-in at these hotels, there's a desk clerk who can't wait to hit you with, What's up? <laughs> and typically it's said with a kind of gusto that can only mean this clerk is under the illusion that they are the very first person who has, in the past 21 years, ever said this stupid thing to you. So Jeremiah's, cry me a river and then go home and get your shine box. It's a great, great email. From Jolene Wojcik. Okay, from Grand Island, Nebraska. So Jeremiah, Jesse, Sean are all lamenting about their names and the tired lines they had to hear day after day, week after week, year after year. Well, I have one of those names, Jolene. I can hear you sing it now. Jolene, Jolene, Jolene. That was, that's uh, Dolly Parton. Oh, Dolly that, Parton oh, sang that song. That's great. right. Yes. Oh, guess yeah. what? I love it. People come up to me all the time and start singing my name. Some ask if I've heard the Dolly Parton song. Well, yes, as a matter of fact, I have heard it. It comes from people of all ages, some older like you and some younger. Just last week, someone in their 20s sang my name to me and then said, go look up Miley Cyrus's version of Jolene. It's my favorite one. Dolly Parton says the song is about a bank teller who was giving Parton's new husband a little more interest than he had coming. And her husband just loved going to the bank because she paid him so much attention. But she said it was kind of a running joke between them. Dolly would say, heck, you're spending a lot of time at the bank. I don't believe we got that kind of money. But she said it was all very innocent, even though the song makes it sound dreadful. So for the record, I do not steal other people's men. I've come to appreciate the name even more as I've gotten older and you get used to people bursting out the lyrics to you every 25 seconds. It's a name my parents gave me. I love them. I love my name. From Papathium in Paris, France. Some people have been writing into the pod to tell their sob stories about growing up with socially crippling names like Josh <laughs> or John. Cute. The only country in the world where people name their sons what the rest of the world's children call their dads is Senegal. Well, I've spent a grand total of maybe five weeks over the course of my life in Senegal. Spread across a couple of summer vacations as a kid. The other 49 years and 10 months, yes, I have a depressing birthday coming up, I've spent on three continents where it's a weird name you have to repeat, spell, and explain. Hey, John Glenn. You ever heard of Papa Smurf? I have. <laughs> Your win was short-lived. Papa. Uh, Kevin McHugh in St. Michael's, Maryland. Given the string of stories on the Monday show involving regular people with famous names, try this one on for size. I was told to go meet the owner of a new contractor on... Uh, I'm told to go meet the owner, a new contractor on site last week, and I was told his name is Jeff. When I met him, he said, Jeff, Jeff Bridges, nice to meet you. <laughs> Because in this show, however, I restrained myself from making any comment about his name, of which I'm sure he's thankful. After a few minutes of chatting and walking the site, we get to his foreman, who I was told is named Jerry, unloading material. He takes a break to come up to introduce himself to me. Before he says a word, I see the name on his hard hat, Jerry Lewis. <laughs> Kevin McHugh, still very much looking forward to having you and Michael at the links when the time comes. From Lauren Helvey in Mustang, Oklahoma. I'm no John Glenn or Paul Simon, but when I have the opportunity to air grievances about stupid things people say to you when they hear your name, I feel the need to chime in. My maiden name is Fogarty. Being born in 1984, I'm not sure I'd even know who John Fogarty was, if not for every old white guy with a stupid <laughs> grin on his face asking if I was related to him. My standard answer was always, yeah, he's my uncle. And my uncle's name is, in fact, John Fogarty. Poor guy. Mike Roseberry, State College, Pennsylvania. 
Along the that's where UP, oh, UPS is, oh, right. University of Penn State. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Along the lines of the Jeremiah Scotty and not that John Glenn discussion. Think of the poor SOB that has 8675309 as a phone number. <laughs> you might recall the 80s hit tune by Tommy Two-Tone that implored you to call Jenny at 8675309 for a good time. As a freshman at Penn State in the late 80s, I can assure you that number was drunkenly dialed by any number of students as 867 is one of the exchanges for campus phone numbers. I always pictured an embittered university employee handing out that phone number to some unfortunate freshman female that shared the same name as the girl who dumped him back in high school. <laughs> Ryan Cannon, Reading, Pennsylvania. My name is Ryan, R-Y-A-N. It's not Brian. Just angry. <laughs> Just angry. <laughs> Charlie Burtz in Springfield, Virginia. We get out on this. Let me get this straight. You think your tomatoes are being stolen by Wander Suero? <laughs> we have no tomatoes. We have no tomatoes. We have two beautiful plants in a beautiful planter that Michael bought a long time ago. You know, but, you know, we don't have any. What do, why do you think that is? What happened to us? No, I just I remember this comes down to the storms. I think you have no root structure. That's it? I have no and clue. Oh. <laughs> Buy tomatoes. You can afford them. I have bought tomatoes. I go to that fruit stand. Norman's. Norman's. Yeah, I go yeah. there. But, but you go to the hard-to-park the hard one. My peppers, my peppers work. That's it. If you're out on your bike tonight, everyone, as always, do wear white. Okay, we wound up 5 and 11. Not very good. Uh, but the there worst. was some worse than us. I guess that's one positive way to look at it. We weren't the worst team in the league. <laughs> so positive. <laughs>
Never but I don't 